Welcome, Padawans, to the Wannabe Jedi Podcast. My name is Josh. And I'm Matt. And today, we are joined by a very special guest. It is Andrew from the Outer Rim Reads Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited that you're here, and we are very excited to pick your brain on our <laughs> character. And Andrew, do you want to announce our character? Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? <laughs> <laughs> that is the big question. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm excited to talk about I mean, my boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that he is like the biggest question in the Star Wars universe, I'd say right now. Him and Ezra, where are they? Yep. Where are they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been however many days, a thousand 67 <laughs> days since we last seen them on screen and <laughs> still wondering <Wow>. still wondering <laughs> and we got like a whisper at least with the latest season of the mandalorian yep. yeah 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 yeah. i'm excited to see if he's gonna show up in one of the upcoming shows i'm hoping so <laughs> yeah we're gonna get to where we hope to see him or where we expect to see him because i don't think his story is done i don't think anyone oh, sure. thinks his story is done especially with the the reveal from the mandalorian Hundred yeah. percent, and the announcement of the Ahsoka show because I think I mean I don't know if you two agree that Thrawn's probably going to be popping up in that show compared to any of the other shows. If he doesn't, I might flip a table. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I might riot. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if I, mean, I guess we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but just given the setup that we got with her story specifically in the Jedi episode, I would be shocked if it's not like, if her show isn't the continuation of that search, yeah. so. <laughs> I agree. I mean, we get into the end of Rebels and we see that she is searching exactly for Ezra, and then which means that the, she's probably searching for Thrawn as well, so. Yeah. They have to do it. <laughs> yeah, there's to. no going back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I would like to see Sabine, too. Yep. I was about to say, that. you can't forget about Sabine here. Yeah, Sabine. <laughs> Sabine and Satine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, too, too soon. Too soon. Dude. Yeah, too soon. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. always too soon. <laughs> well, Andrew, I got to ask. So we started talking about what would you would like to come on for what what characters and you mentioned thrawn so can you give the the listeners out there kind of your reasoning behind wanting to discuss thrawn like why do you like him so much for sure he he was really my entry point into at least when i decided to move from like a casual fan to a super fan uh, or just a more engaged and involved fan which was through the books and the first book that i read as you know, a young adult in the Star Wars canon was Thrawn. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of kind of sentimental value from me to his character, just knowing that he was like the start point for my journey into being a more, you know, just more engaged fan. And I loved what we got from the canon Thrawn trilogy with his character, uh, especially not knowing much about him or anything about him going into those books. And so it was a breath of fresh air into a totally new Star Wars character for me. And also kind of just marking that start point from taking a more meaningful step into my Star Wars fandom. So I love his character and what his character meant for me and my journey. And I just, I think he is one of the most fascinating villains, one of the most fascinating characters in all of Star Wars. And I think he's much more interesting because he's not 
like a force user. You know, there's not really much to him aside from the fact that he's just wicked smart and knows how to play to his strengths and to others' weaknesses. And I, I just find him really compelling, really compelling and really interesting. Yeah, yeah. he's he's definitely a strategist. Yeah. And then it kind of leads into my question. Since you are, we're going to call you our Thrawn expert. <laughs> Which version of, of Thrawn do you like better? Do you like the canon mm. or non-canon version? I, I think that I'm kind of biased towards the canon Thrawn because that was the mm-hmm. first version that I was introduced to. I didn't even know the Legends trilogy, the Legends Thrawn trilogy existed until I kind of learned more about the books in general. But I think it's, in a way, it's kind of an unfair question because the canon trilogy is centered around him, whereas the Legends trilogy was more spread out between, you know, the OG characters, Luke, Han, Leia, Lando, and then also Thrawn. Mm-hmm. So I think we got to dive more into his character in the canon trilogy. We got to see more from his perspective and more about him. So I think there's just more reason for me to like the canon Thrawn more than the Legends Thrawn. Though I do like some aspects of Thrawn from the Legends trilogy, for sure. But I think he's definitely more flushed out. And, you know, given that it's his trilogy, um, uh, rightfully so, in the in the canon trilogy. So I'm a little bit biased, but I would have to go canon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, 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 yeah. yeah. Would you describe him as an an, like a lovable villain or an anti-hero? Because I, mm. it, it depends on the lens you look at him through. But I, I think he's a lovable anti-hero personally. Like I, he's a villain. Sure. In in the end, when it comes to facing off against the rebels, but I think that he is such a strong character that I, I admire him even though he's working for the wrong side yeah i I, i've got to admit i don't know if i would describe thrawn as lovable uh yeah (laughs) i do love his his character that that's a fun way to, to to think about that that's a really great question i think we have the luxury with thrawn coming from the books specifically if you're to look at him from rebels alone he is a villain you don't really see much of his perspective and you know what he is fighting for and why he's fighting on the side of the empire and so just that we have the luxury of seeing seeing more of his kind of good moments and kind of understanding what his motivations are in the literature i'm really reluctant to regard him as a villain when you look at star wars and kind of which which sides are fighting you know rebels and empire you know the rebels are from a certain point of view and i i think ultimately in in my point of view fighting for what's good in the galaxy but Mm -hmm. i think to paint thrawn in the same strokes the same kind of black and white strokes as the rebels versus the empire i think that's I think it's a little bit of a mistake. I think he's much more complex than, you know, hero or villain. And I I don't think that I would think the same way if I didn't know what I've read in the books. Um, So I think, going off of your questions, I I think that I would, if I were to pick between villain or anti-hero, I would have to go with anti-hero. I don't think he is just flat out bad. Yeah. And we'll probably talk more about that. Yeah, he admires his foes. I mean, we see that in Rebels as well, where he looks at the philosophy, the art, the culture yep. of the opponents. And, and we see that in his, his office with yep. <laughs> Hera's totem and everything. So, and and the big block of Sabine's art and everything. Yep. It's it's something to admire. And I mean, he admires them and he even says that in the show. So, yeah. yeah. I, I do love the moments where, where he 
you know, he, he respects his opponents. And, you know, there was the, the one moment in Rebels where uh, Hera was able to defeat, I forget the name of his star pilot, but the, the guy in the Defender that kind of ignored his, his orders and decided to kind of not fly out of the path of the Chimera's turbo lasers, and he ended up getting defeated by Hera. And he, you know, he said that it's a, t- it's a testament to her skill as a pilot. And so I think that he has the ability to... To, to respect his opponent's abilities and that just makes him more of an effective fighter because he knows and uh, he knows who he's up against and he admits when you know they might have an upper hand over his resources and his assets so I, I do think his approach to his opponents and the way that he can respect them and learn from them moving from an encounter to encounter is you know it, it's what makes him you know a good a good opponent uh, as himself yeah I stand by the fact that he's lovable. I, I love him. <laughs> I, I love him. I, I love he's him. He's ruthless. <laughs> he's, he's ruthless, but I, I yeah. love... And this is something that I think you get with the books that we're going to dive into, is we get to his thoughts, and it doesn't translate well to the screen. Yeah. So you can't have that that thought process yeah. that you get in the books. So so for me, I think that that's why I really like enjoy his character is because we do get his thoughts and 100 percent. he's like a chess player where he thinks like 20 moves ahead 40 chess oh, yeah. 40 chess baby exactly exactly well without further ado why don't we actually get into the uh the timeline of thrawn sure so the first thing that i have is that thrawn isn't actually his birth name it's his core name because his name's ridiculously hard to pronounce (laughs) yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give my best shot at it and everyone can laugh (laughs) at me it's myth raw nuru odo i think that was pretty close i think that was respectable yeah (laughs) yeah that was and Uh, i have a little fun fact about his name didn't emperor palpatine when he met with thrawn or they when they had their conferences you know didn't Emperor Palpatine call him by his first name yep. instead of Thrawn? Yeah, he called him by the full name. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, mad respect. I mean, that means the Emperor of the whole galaxy, <laughs> the Empire, has respect for you. So oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, is, that is something that's, you know, unique to Thrawn. I wonder how many hours Palpatine spent rehearsing how to pronounce the name before he actually <laughs> met him there. <laughs> Just see He's him in the like, <laughs> three Mithra hours he has away. like his his like a his aid is like okay it's pronounced this can you say it with me and then there's like rehearsing it back and forth and and i can just picture palpatine getting increasingly frustrated and just shocking people when he's like when they keep correcting him, like no you said it wrong he's like you're wrong and just like shocks him repeatedly yeah <laughs> i yeah. can see that i i want the um the uh josh what is it called which one? The the palp the go for Palpatine. What's the um Oh robot chicken series? I, I wanna see the robot <laughs> chicken version of this. I I'd be for it. <laughs> we need that. That'd be really cool. We do need that. We do. So he was born he being Thrawn, I'm not gonna pronounce his name again. I I, I accomplished it. He was born on uh Rentor or Rentar, which is in the unknown regions of yep. the galaxy. That's a home planet for the Chiss, which is his species. For those that you don't know, Chiss are blue creatures that are about the same height and same facial features and structure of humans. I think that they're slightly taller, if I remember correctly. I think so. Than than humans. And 
they also have red eyes, which is pretty distinct. Yeah, red and blue skin. Didn't he get really discriminated even like when he was mm. in the under like the academy? yeah in the academy not in well he was grand admiral because yeah. nobody would mess with him <laughs> when he's grand admiral uh, but yeah wasn't he really discriminated because he you know looked different yeah that that was kind of you know taking it there's like a, a joke side of it in in my in my reading and then also you know the serious side of it which is the xenophobia but mm-hmm. it's it's it was a common mm-hmm. theme in the first thrawn book where everyone when they saw him for the first time they said like is he just a pantoran with an eye condition because like pantorans also have blue skin but they yep, just have their yep. red eyes and it was always like something wrong with his <laughs> eyes like um but then yes he was consistently discriminated against in the academy and even when he was an officer just in kind of subtler subtler, uh, subtler ways because I don't think there was another non-human in the Imperial Navy in kind of a in an officer or you know power position of power uh, capacity and so yeah. yeah he was because of that and by that nature he was the uh, object of a lot of attention and then also a lot of negative attention just just because of who he was and that he wasn't human which is you know, one of the unfortunate realities uh, in the Empire, yeah. 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 Well, wasn't it, like, his, like, commanding officer in the Imperial Academy, like, uh, Dean Lark, I think his name was? Yeah. Didn't he, like, openly tell Thrawn that he was going to fail, and, like, the only reason why is because the the Empire, or the Emperor took a liking to you. Like, basically, he was, like, trying to make him fail. Yeah, there, there was a lot of, and I think Eli Vanto, uh, Thrawn's companion through the Academy, put it correctly, kind of how a parallel to women in the workforce in in our world where it's like they have to try twice as much to get yeah. you know to the same place as as men do in in our world and as humans do in in the imperial academy and yeah he there was a lot of i think dean lark respected Thrawn grudgingly as he went on in the academy but he flat out told him that the cards are stacked against him and that's the way that it is you know it it didn't make sense to Thrawn initially cuz he he was saying, you know, he, he it was kind of like his thinking that this doesn't make sense. You know, if, if I'm a good military asset, then wouldn't they want me to succeed? And Dean Lark was saying that, no, it's <laughs> just because of who you are, everyone's going to be throwing up against you and trying to make you fail. And, and Dean Lark didn't help him out either. He only did it to really kind of save his skin and his reputation. So really the cards are stacked against him. And he was told that to his face by Dean Lark, by Eli, and by, you know, from what he also experienced uh, firsthand. Yeah, I was I was looking through just like the different Imperial officers that we had seen on, on the screen yeah. and throughout just basically the history of the Empire. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Thrawn is the only non-human to be granted such high ranks as in a, in the officer and in the Imperial Navy. I think you're 100% correct, yeah. uh, you know, especially that high of a, of a rank of, of Grand Admiral. But I don't think we've ever seen, even in lower positions, any non-human Imperials uh, in the Navy. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I don't know, that's a big realization. Yeah. I just got to say that. <laughs> He's the only one. Because I'm like thinking back and I'm like, I just watched all of Clone Wars again in chronological order. Casual, casual. And I'm thinking... Yeah, the, the, the separatists or the, the CIS have their own widely spread different races of, of generals and, and whomever. And then you look at the Republic or you look at the, I mean, of course, the the Empire and there's 
a lot of just human human people yeah so wow yeah that's <laughs> something you, you kind of don't you don't notice it. you don't realize yeah, yeah. until yeah. until it happens until so yeah. Out, yeah yeah and that's another just interesting conversation that was touched on in, in the Thrawn book, but uh, just a lot of the resentment from humans towards non-humans in the Clone Wars, where there was this false impression that the humans kind of bore the brunt of the war. And so there was kind of, you know, moving from the Republic into the Empire, just a lot of disdain and, and contempt from humans to non-humans because they had the impression, and I guess it was promoted and perpetuated by the structure of the Imperial Navy that Thrawn ended up experiencing was that like this just false notion that the humans were the ones who sacrificed everything in the war compared to yeah. their non-human counterparts. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, also, they they even just have disdain for uh, outer rim Yep. Yep. <laughs> people coming to the academy, like Eli. Yep. Uh, for example, when and I know that we're not covering Eli right now, but basically Thrawn told Eli he had to stick with him if he was going to have any form of success yeah. because of his just disadvantages of being from the Outer Rim. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they both realized that they were just inherently, again, unfortunately, just because of who they were and where they were coming from. Uh, at a disadvantage compared to the other, because they were on Coruscant, the Coruscant Imperial Academy. So that was where, you know, core worlds, the elite cadets, just by, you know, family status, just by status of their world. So really it was, uh, <laughs> he had ev- they both had everything stacked against them and they still pulled out uh, some wins. So uh, mad respect for Thrawn and Eli. Yeah. I, I think about when w- w- their first meeting or their first job, which was out at the Blood Crow, yep. <laughs> where Thrawn basically took charge, <laughs> and, yeah. and I love it. And Eli was like, "No, no, no, we should, we should like listen and just and just fall back." Um, I think they encountered what was it, Buzz Droids or something? It was what Thrawn wanted to take. Yep. Um, with to, to <laughs> repurpose. Such a bad moment. <laughs> I love that story. Oh, I love the story. It really shows Thrawn's ingenuity and intelligence and, and just being able to to be one step ahead of people yeah i, I think from his experience with because I, I guess the chiss weren't involved in the clone wars but he you know had some some missions working with anakin just mm-hmm. by you know happenstance uh, and he was very interested and intrigued in the clone war era equipment and machinery so it was really fun in the book when he repurposed buzz droids to kind of act on his command and uh, i think that he took out some pirates with just two buzz droids just hurling themselves at these pirates and it was <laughs> yeah. so fun oh, wow. <laughs> That that leads me to kind of our our first question for you, sure. or one of our not first question. I think we've had <laughs> questions, but so that leads me to one of uh, our questions for you. What is your favorite Thrawn moment? Because for me, it is actually the Buzz Droid. Nice. I, I love his ingenuity and tied with how he first encountered the Imperials. Yeah. Oh, that was so when good. He like faked his <laughs> exile, and like you just see how fast and how his mind works. Those two aspects really gripped me into Thrawn. So I want to get your take on some of your favorite Thrawn moments. Yeah, I I think just noting on uh, kind of you mentioning the first chapter when he was kind of infiltrating the Imperial camp and getting on board their, you know, Star Destroyer eventually, just just briefly, that first chapter where the Imperials had, because it was from Eli's point of view, that chapter, they didn't know at all what was going on, who was attacking them, but they were just being, you know, kind of just systematically just overpowered and outmaneuvered. And that was really one of the first chapters in Star Wars canon that 
that I kind of felt like a almost like a thriller slash horror aspect to the story where it's yeah. like you don't know who is attacking you and who's killing your men or just disabling your ships and it, it was great but um I think I have two parts to my answer. One is kind of my favorite military moment from him, and the other is kind of my favorite character development moment for him. I think military-wise, there was kind of his his the last of his big victories before appearing on screen in Rebels was on Bataan. And mm-hmm. in the Imperial assault of this, uh, I think it's Scrim Island, where there was an Imperial facility that was taken captured by some insurgents and there was it was a hostage situation and they you know i think there was another admiral who tried to uh, assault the base before he did but he failed and thrawn came in to mop up the work and it was a really heavily defended emplacement on the island and the way that he the work the situation was instead of firing at the shields of the island to overwhelm them you know by brute force he fired at the water surrounding the island and created tsunamis to flood their cannon emplacements. And I just remember when I read that, the characters in the book who were with Thrawn were in awe. Me as the reader, I was in awe because, you know, he didn't just go in with force. He actually (laughs) created tsunamis to over, you know, kind of flood their base and then move in. It was just such, such brilliance. Yeah. Didn't that get him promoted to Grand Admiral? Yeah, that was the last of the victories before he got that big promotion. So he he did he did that in yeah. style uh, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's one way to get your promotion. Just, the ingenuity from him on the battlefield is is incredible, and I just think that was the peak of it, where he just used the surroundings of the island to his advantage. And I think yeah kind of like the character development moment that I I love from him was his conversation at the end of the first Thrawn book with kind of his nemesis, Night Swan, where we really understood and got an, an explanation or the most explanation from his character about why he's doing what he's doing, why he's fighting for the Empire, why he's picking this side in the first place. And and I guess I, I have a question for you both, kind of going off of that if if I yeah, can. Yeah. yeah. There's the the quote from this conversation with Night Swan where we find out, you know, why he's picked this side. And basically he's been asked the question, you know, if the Empire falls, what can replace it? And Thrawn's perspective is chaos, lawlessness, the Clone War, and Night Swan's perspective is justice, mercy, and freedom. And I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys think about kind of, of that? <laughs> I... I think obviously Night Swans is a little. I, I think it's probably going to. It would realistically it would be a mix of both. Obviously, we saw that the even with the Empire, the crime syndicates were very strong. Yeah, they kind of had a unspoken allegiance where they wouldn't attack each other unnecessarily. So I think in the meantime, and we kind of get this with seeing the Mandalorian. Yeah, for sure. Post Empire, there is this kind of weird mix of lawlessness combined with two clashing sides trying to control different parts of space exactly i mean so i think that it's kind of a mix of both is what is the accurate representation of it for sure yeah yeah (laughs) i i agree with matt i think that he said what i've been thinking but yeah it's interesting, both both perspectives, because, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I just I think that's what really sums up the the fascinating part of his character is that he's not fighting for power, and in Rebels he says he's not fighting for glory. Like, you know, he's trying to avoid chaos and lawlessness, and just him coming at that from a unique perspective and you know, from his own path, I, I think is is what solidifies the fact for me, or at least my opinion, that he's not a villain. He's trying to do what's right, and he's just on the other side uh, trying to do it. So, <laughs> I, I'm i going to pull yeah. a Josh here, and we're going to alternate universe. What if Thrawn <laughs> had know. joined the Rebels instead of the Empire? <sighs> that was a great... How would that yeah. have shifted things? That was uh, that, That's a great question that I definitely wrestled with covering the first book in my first season it's so interesting to think about because i don't think there would be a situation where he would have fought mm-hmm. for the rebels but if he did if he did i'll just uh humor that i th- i think wow that's, that's that's such a fascinating question <laughs> this is why i don't like josh asking these questions is because i get stumped by them and i have to actually think and it's difficult to think sometimes <laughs> Yeah, I, I I just don't know if his philosophy lines up with kind of what the the structure of the galaxy that the Republic and the New Republic and, you know, the Rebellion was fighting for, mm-hmm. where I guess from, from his point of view in the Republic, there's like too many voices trying to compete for power and they don't really get anything done. And that's why they, they fail is that, you know, it's just too many clashing opinions without any real action against like the real evils in the galaxy, the real dangers in the galaxy. So, you know, mm-hmm. if he was on the side of the rebellion against the empire, I think the saga would have ended in a new hope. Uh, just, you know, he, he, he would just need <laughs> yeah. one movie to end things. <laughs> he probably would have already identified without the need for the Ursos. He probably would have identified that the exhaust port was the weak point and oh, would have sure. targeted oh, it sure. way sooner. <laughs> he would yeah. have studied Palpatine's yeah. art and been like, of course you can have like a, you know, exhaust port weak spot, you know? Uh, <laughs> He actually, he would have been with the, the, by the Clone Wars, he would have been like, yeah, guys, he's clearly the Sith person. Can't you tell? <laughs> like, would have known it from like five years earlier that, before they yeah. ever identified it. You, you mean, you mean Master Thrawn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of like tied into the reality of it too in the canon timeline. Like he knew exactly who Palpatine was and didn't necessarily agree with him, but it was kind yeah. of like the the means to the end that he was trying to achieve for the galaxy. So, you know, I think he, he would have pointed Palpatine out. He would have exposed him. They would have ejected Palpatine off the ship. And it just would have been, it would have been <laughs> tied up and, you know, wrapped in a bow, maybe even before a new hope got there. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to circle back. Cause you mentioned Scrim Island sure. and, and Baton. It's not even, this is just a completely joking <laughs> question, but so we noticed that, Thrawn is on the light freighter called Slipknot. So it got me thinking, <laughs> what's Thrawn's like before battle pump up music? And then... uh, we would all think that he would be listening to like Beethoven's sixth, but he's actually listening to <laughs> Slipknot on shuffle <laughs> in his office. He's, you know, behind every piece of art and every hologram of art there's like a bluetooth speaker he's got the whole setup just uh surround sound definitely rocking out to some slipknot <laughs> before battle each time that's a, i forgot the name of the ship that he was floating in on that's really uh that's really funny <laughs> he, he's like just like absolutely down with the sickness for, or like yes. let the bodies hit the floor as he's getting ready to go into war <laughs> oh my god <laughs> 
I could see it. I could see him being a metal I person. Mean, you just have to dub over the rebels, you know, when they invade Adelon. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Uh, th- that was my only note I had for Scrim Island because you already covered everything else. I love it. <laughs> uh, but Josh, you mentioned, you did mention rebels mm-hmm. and I, I think we're at the point where we obviously know that Thrawn does win the Battle of Bataan and gets his well-deserved promotion to Granite Admiral. And yeah. he does actually get the Chimera as well. Yeah. So I think that it's very important now to transition over to the Galactic Civil War. And when we first see him is on Lothal dealing mm. with the Spectres and our beloved, my beloved Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> Yes, and and it's only in season three, the beginning of season three, when he appears. Not even not in season one or two. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm happy that they incorporated them. And Andrew, I, I had a question for you, or maybe actually, I'll wait till I'll wait till <laughs> after we come. Okay, Rebels. I got this okay. question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm too, I'm too excited about Rebels. We have to we have to keep moving. It's with the best it, show. It's the best <laughs> show. Yeah. 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 It is. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm about to so my girlfriend and I like I said we watch Clown Wars or clown. As she says like or <laughs> no you clown pronounced Wars. it, you, it clown you Wars. said Clown Wars twice now I say Clown Wars now yes yeah. a lot of her lingo is becoming mine <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna ask her at the end of when we're done yeah which show is better either the Clone Wars or Rebels and we're only we're we're at the beginning of season three at in the beginning okay. of Thrawn right now with her so well I want to get her opinion on yeah. Thrawn as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do. Th- it is worth noting that one of the first times that we see him is the occupation of Ryloth, and yeah. that's where he does encounter Hera, and the, he does take the Calcori, which is that totem that Josh mentioned earlier. And again, using his wits, he was able because yep. he studied their history before invading Ryloth, knows that the Calcori is only valuable for the family members, yeah. and so he's able to identify that and use her as leverage that moment is probably one of my favorite in the show i think his introduction to rebels on its own raised the stakes of the show in a much maybe in a much needed way but also just in a very cool way where we got to experience from phoenix uh, squadron's point of view um you know their confusion at like who is this guy how is he able to you know, uh, <laughs> to to do what he's doing right now, because he, you know, in that moment he was able to see right through Hera's disguise. He was able to stun Ezra when Ezra was disguised as the scout trooper, and you know, really single-handedly foiled their infiltration plan to get the uh, Kalakori. Uh, and also his theme in Rebels. Can we can we appreciate how good his theme is? <laughs> oh, it's oh, yeah. great. I, I I believe that what's his name. Kevin is it Kevin, Kevin Kiner? Klein? Kevin Kiner? Kiner. Kiner. Yeah. Thank you. Kevin Kevin Kiner did a phenomenal job with I, I love all the themes yep. of 100%. Rebels. Definitely hope that we see it more in the future. I, I mean so. all of the I'm we could go into a whole podcast on the, the different <laughs> scores of Star oh, Wars yeah. and how phenomenal they are. Yeah. yeah. They never miss. They never oh, miss. No. <laughs> <laughs> especially that just building in the background while he's explaining, you know you know, the the Calicori's uh, symbolism to families and how, you know, he, he dramatically points the Syndulla family portrait and tells the 
the captain or whoever he's with, you know, who they're dealing with, actually. It's such a great moment. And I love those those moments. And they're few and far between, unfortunately, in Rebels, because it, it isn't about him, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but those moments yeah, where he's able yeah. to express and explain his thoughts and, and connecting the art to the realities in front of him. And they're, they're few and far between, but I think moments like that really just make the show just... T- taking it from a great show to an, an even better show. Just, I, I loved it. <laughs> yep, I agree. Yeah, Rebels is one of a kind. I mean, I've watched all the, the shows, even Resistance and, and Rebels does have a special place. And it's a it's a different than Clone very Wars. Different, it's very yeah. different. J- Josh, Josh, yeah. are you willing to say that you yeah. now love Rebels more than uh, Clone Wars? Are we at that point yet? Um, I mean, I've always had an admiration for Rebels and Clone Wars. So they're just so different. You're being so yes, diplomatic I, I, right now. Such a, a great I know. I know. I, I can't answer the question. That's fair. I will say that I will answer the question after I'm done watching, again, Clone Wars in chronological order. Because it's, like I've said before, it's in a different, you get a different yeah. perspective. And then now with Rebels and watching it back to back with like, we just started, we finished Clone Wars. And then now we're watching Rebels. I will I will answer the question when we're yeah. done. <laughs> That's it. fair. I respect that. For the sake of time, I'm going to safely assume that all of the Padawans out there have seen most of Rebels. If you haven't, I mean, I think we just covered it. It's the best show in the world, <laughs> so you should go check it out. But where it kind of leaves Thrawn's story is with the season finale. Ezra boards the uh, Chimera, and he along with Thrawn, are sent off into deep space via the Purgles going into hyperspace. And that's kind of where it's left off, that we know that they survive and that they're somewhere and the search is out there. And as we hinted, we do see that Ahsoka is still searching for them in Mandalorian Season 2, specifically for Thrawn, which I would assume that those two are still together. And it kind of leaves us in this mystery of where they are and what they're up to. Do you think it's going to be anything like Agent Kellis and Zeb, like when mm. they were stuck on one of the moons of of Geonosis, the, the frozen planet, and how supposedly Zeb recruited Agent Kellis yeah. on the moon? <laughs> is, is it going to be anything like that? Because, I, I mean, I, I don't see it happening because, you know, as we stated, that Thrawn is just, he's dedicated to his ways. He has his vision, and he's pretty, he's pretty set on it, mm. so... I just, I had to throw that in there because I'm just thinking because I, I thought yeah, about that Zeb. and I, I, that, that is more of a good laughing moment in the show. I don't think that like <laughs> he legitimately recruited him. I think it was more callous identified yeah. that he might be fighting for the wrong side and that he doesn't have people who truly gotcha. care about him yeah. like the uh, rebels did. So I think it was more of a, a funny moment to, to ease some of the, the tension in the show. Yeah. But in terms of how I think that we're going to see Thrawn in the future, and and I think that it's a big indication with Ahsoka defeating, what's her name? Elsbeth. I think it's Elsbeth is her name. The former Imperial officer, yeah. I believe. She says, where's Thrawn? Which means that it, we can suspect that Elsbeth encountered Thrawn mm. after this, <sighs> after Rebels. So I'm curious if Ezra's in holding with Thrawn just being in this faraway place trying to figure out how to 
recreate the empire or is mm. he recreating the first order that's and and the the awesome thing is is that we don't know <laughs> there's no yeah. there's no right answer as of now i always took that as i think it would be a little bit anticlimactic to ezra's sacrifice if what he did at the end of rebels just ended up with you know thrawn being rescued by the empire or palpatine or whatever and then like ezra's captured and thrawn is uh kind of behind forming the first order i think that maybe a little bit diminishes ezra's sacrifice for me i think that when i watched it when ahsoka asked that question i didn't personally take it as the magistrate having seen thrawn since the end of rebels i i thought more of it where she was kind of tying together kind of like the the points of connection that that she knew thrawn had before his disappearance and that if there was someone that who might know where he is it, it could possibly be her just since she might have had interaction with him before his disappearance i don't know i I, i'm kind of hoping for thrawn and ezra to have a meaningful discussion off in the unknown regions where ezra might realize that and and then thrawn also might realize that you know uh, maybe that they'll find some some common ground that Ezra will realize that he's not necessarily a big bad villain, that he's actually trying to avoid chaos in the galaxy, and that Thrawn might, I don't know, form a form an unlikely partnership with Ezra. I don't think, and maybe this is a hot take, I don't think that Thrawn is at all connected to Palpatine coming back and the formation of the First Order. Maybe that's a hot take, but I, I think that there might be some... I don't know if redemption is the right word, but I think that Thrawn might become more of a gray character in the Unknown Regions with Ezra than just staying as kind of like the big bad. I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you. I No, I like and that. I like how you said that, you know, they can change each other's perspectives because, I mean, as we see in the first season of Rebels, that Ezra does encourage people to stand up against the Empire. And then, of course, Thrawn, yeah. is, is his rank shows that he can you know change and and probably i don't he could he can persuade people to a different perspective as well so they both have a way with words yeah it's ultimately the you know i I look at the reason why thrawn joined the empire and that was because they were you know potentially a valuable military asset and if the empire is just a remnant now with like you know no leadership nowhere near as powerful as they once were I wonder if he, you know, A, if he's, if he's going to try to commandeer it himself, but he was never really a, a political leader as it is. That's like his biggest weakness is that he's not mm-hmm. a leader. And he said even if Palpatine died, in, in the first book, he was, you know, he mentioned if Palpatine died, he wouldn't be the one to take control of the Empire. He would just be in a position to influence whoever did. And so I don't think that he's after power or control of the Empire. I, I think that I don't. I just don't know if that's how I see his character, which is, you know, probably a lot of people disagree. I know that it would be very satisfying to have him be the one behind Gideon and yeah, and all that. Uh, I was about to ask you that, I'm but like, is he behind Gideon? Because I, I hope, hope not. Yeah, I, I I agree with Andrew on that. I hope not. I also, I mean, I think I've preached this on the show plenty of times about expanding yeah. the universe and not have everything be connected. So I, I really hope that that's not the case. But I can see the reason why I say that he might be behind the First Order creation is because of where Elum is in relation mm. to the Chiss. For for those of you that don't know, Elum, the next clo- which is Star Killer base's origin point, 
is within like two grid coordinates of wait wait is it confirmed that star killer i know people have like it yeah, i think it's it confirmed? i think it's because <laughs> i think it's pretty pretty much yeah. confirmed yeah. <laughs> with without them saying it but i don't know that's a that's a great point because ilum is on you know the border of or is it in the outer rim did you did you just say that or it's close it, it, or the unknown regions um it's close to there i don't know i just yeah. i think thrawn's biggest gripe with the death star was that he didn't think that was good military strategy to have one station with raw power he was yeah. more of like have a great fleet with you know really skilled individual pilots and and starfighters so it's which could tie to the sith eternal fleet but yeah. i don't know if he's into all the sith cultish stuff so i don't know it, it's there's so many yeah. questions and so little answers and a lot of great theories which is the fun of it yeah. <laughs> and and that's why we do this is oh, it, sure. it's fun to theorize for the for the future i i just think that if you have ilum and Scylla, which is the it, it's basically yeah. like one of the home worlds of the chiss and it's specifically the chiss ascendancy it was part of the chiss ascendancy i think that that's such close coordinates that they could easily make a connection there. And so that's why I'm I'm not gonna put money down on this, but if I were a betting man, <laughs> I'd say that there's there's I'd say that there's a good chance there's gonna be some form of connection between mm. that. It's interesting. It's really interesting. I, I I do hope that we will get because i know they're they're in the process of releasing the kind of like the prequel thrawn trilogy where we get a lot more about the chiss ascendancy and the chaos i hope that whatever story we get from him and ezra will be kind of connecting the universe like kind of like the side of the galaxy we get in the books with thrawn at least with with his origins and also like on the screen i, I would love kind of like a bridge point between what we get on screen and, and the book so i'm i'm hoping that we'll get some ezra thrawn chiss involvement and fighting kind of like the opponents and the unknown regions for the greater good of the galaxy so i don't know it's that is a great point with kind of like the proximity of ilum with scylla uh, i hadn't thought about that yeah I, either way, I think there's a lot to be excited about with this oh, character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I just hope we we get it soon and that they stay true to you know the books and everything because yeah we've seen that they've kind of retconned. I mean, uh, Ahsoka they've kind of retconned some stuff from that book. So I know as a as a fan of the books, I bet you agree with me that they should admire them and and also Adhere. take them into account when when moving further with this story. Yeah, that's and and that's such a fine kind of fine line to to walk on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like not in like not enough times are the books recognized as being as valuable as the TV shows and the movies. Um, and so I hope if we get some connection to the books that you know validates them to you know to the ninety nine percent of the fandom who might not read them. I think that that would be meaningful to the larger Star Wars stories to to show that the stories that we get in the books are not just, you know, we'll retcon them here and there, but they're as valuable as the material that we get on screen. So I I hope they stay true to the literature and, you know, just keep consistent, which (laughs) sometimes it's a lot to ask for, but I believe in Filoni and Favreau. I think (laughs) they can, they can do it. I just hope they consult Timothy Zahn if they touch Thrawn in any way. I I hope they consult him because, you know, Thrawn is his character. That's true. Yeah. That's a very good point. I agree. Yeah. So my last question for you, 
is a bit of a doozy, <laughs> and that is, what is your favorite Thrawn book? My favorite Thrawn book, I'm going to have to go with the first one, with Thrawn. Again, with the kind of like the sentimental value of that being kind of my entry point into Star Wars canon books and just, you know, the, the more advanced parts of my fandom. Uh, I, I love the... The, the breath of fresh air that it is in that it's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes Watson type story with with Thrawn and Eli Vanto. I, I love that it's not really like there are action moments, but that's not the heart of the book. The heart of the book is more of just mm-hmm. uh, the, like the political nuances and the it's like a political thriller. Almost. I, w- I would argue that. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's. It's not a very action-packed book, but that's not the intent of it. That's not the purpose of it. And I just, I love the change of pace. I love getting a story from the point of view of people on the other side with with the Empire. And I just love the the nuanced, complex version of Thrawn that we get. Because I read the books before seeing Rebels, so I was really... I was really impressed with the character that we got in the books uh, and starting with, with this one and also with Rebels. I, I, I don't want to diss Rebels Thrawn, but I would say the first Thrawn book has, yeah, to, be, yeah, yeah. has to be my favorite. <laughs> that, yeah, That's fair. I, like I said, I think that Rebels Thrawn wasn't fully done justice. Yeah, it, it's hard to when it's when he's kind of like a side character and they can't really focus on him because, you know, Phoenix Phoenix Squad is 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 our fam, but it's it's understandable. I was still kind of disappointed at some moments, but I think uh, certain parts of his character did did hold true to to an extent. But uh, yeah, well, that pretty much wraps up uh, everything that we have on Thrawn. Andrew, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? What you talk about on your podcast and everything for sure yeah you can find me um and my podcast outer rim reads wherever you get your podcasts it is a, a star wars book podcast where instead of covering entire books in an episode i walk at kind of like a reader's pace two to three chapters per episode and covering an entire book in a, in a whole season my first season did cover thrawn the first thrawn book and this season, season two, I've been covering Master and Apprentice with Qui-Gon Jinn and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, kind of the prequel to what we got in The Phantom Menace. You can find the show wherever you, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and on social media, uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Outer Rim Read Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Outer Rim Reads Pod. Uh, and I think my personal Twitter is at Andrew Geha 6. So yeah, no, check out the podcast if you're into Star Wars books. It is a spoiler-free show, just just covering what we talk about in each chapter. So you don't need to know Thrawn uh, as a book or Master and Apprentice going into those episodes. We try to keep it as kind of like a book club feel, just you know, walking together with with the listeners through the books. That sounds amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to pick your brain on Thrawn and ask you a bunch of questions. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. If if there was one character you could come back for, because I, I know that you said you've been listening to the podcast, what character would it be? You know, in in discussing which characters I could talk about, I did mention 
<laughs> Gar Saxon, which I feel would be kind of silly because, you know, he's <laughs> such a the small character in the scheme of things, but I would always love to talk about a, a good old grizzly Mandalorian. But I think now that we've talked about Thrawn and Eli Vanto, if you ever did an episode on Eli, I would definitely want to talk about him. He is one of my favorite characters in, in all of Star Wars, I think. So okay, okay. <laughs> if we're here for the memes, Gar Saxon, um, <laughs> if we're here for an awesome character that everyone can love too, Eli Vanto. <laughs> mm, yeah. I love the fact that, uh, you know, the first like what chapter or two chapters was around Eli's yep. perspective. Yep. I love that. His, his perspective in the book, I think, was the more interesting perspective rather than Thrawn's, I think, just because he was like the reader's bridge into Thrawn's mind so I I do think that his chapters are great so for sure (laughs) yeah and then for all the Padawans out there that want to stay connected with us you can find us on Facebook Instagram and TikTok at wannabe Jedi podcast Mm -hmm. I think I don't even remember all of our social medias anymore. Um, and at Wannabe Jedi Cast on Twitter. Again, we have our Patreon, which can be found on our website, wannabejedipodcast.com. There's a link to our Patreon from there. We have monthly episodes that come out, as well as character polls, so you can vote on what character you'll hear at the end of each month, which is pretty exciting. So you should guys should go check it out there. And we have merchandise, merchandising, merchandising, <laughs> as the uh, great yogurt said. <laughs> you can find all of our merch on our website as well. Um, we have t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs right now. Cool. And then we'll see you guys all next week. Josh, do you want to let all the listeners know who we are reviewing? So next week we have a special treat that we will not name yet. So just tune in and get excited. <laughs> Yeah, super excited for it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. I think you guys yep. will. Enjoy and I think it. is my girlfriend coming on. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Yep. So my girlfriend's gonna join us, and we're we're gonna have some fun with that. Yeah, we'll talk probably some Clown Wars too. And <laughs> it's Clown Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But until then, make sure to stay safe and take care, everyone. May the force be with you all. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care, listeners. Bye.